I'm Sam Nicholson and this is the Everything Soccer Podcast. Talking soccer and everything else with MNUFC copywriter Steve McPherson and play-by-play announcer Callum Williams. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, depending on when this finds you. Welcome to the fifth episode of the Everything Soccer Podcast. I'm Steve McPherson, and I'm here with Cal Williams. Cal, this past weekend, I watched Sesame Street with my kids while my wife hosted Book Club. You went to New York. Did you at least bring me something nice? Um, I thought about it, but I, I didn't get the chance, unfortunately. We were in New York for about, what, 36 hours, maybe? Okay. So um, I did think of you. Alongside my fiance, which is slightly odd, but and did you, you know. get something nice for a fiance, at least? Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> we don't have to talk about that. No, don't worry about it. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, okay, so so the team played uh, the Red Bulls this past weekend. Technically, they're in New Jersey, right? Mm-hmm. So, did you? Uh, I, I want to talk to you a little bit about the travel uh, situation, generally speaking, with the team. But did you fly into? Newark? Did you fly we to LaGuardia? Okay. Flew so. to Newark, um, and then we waited an awful long time for the bags, actually, from what I remember. Usually, the airports work with us quite well. Our, our team administrator, Angie, is is an absolute goddess and yeah, looks after everybody and, quite frankly, is the queen of Minnesota United. And without her, <laughs> we would be a complete shambles. Absolutely. So um, shout out to her and, and thank you for everything you do, Angie. Um, usually the, the airports that we fly into work quite well with her and she has everything down to a T and, and where, um, uh, you know, where, when bags are going to be delivered on time and, and then when the bus arrives, it takes to the hotel and all that kind of thing. Um, uh, obviously different in New York. <laughs> right. And New Jersey. Um, so it's th- got to be a little bit harder. Yeah. Things work a little differently. Yeah. Um, so no, but it, it was you know all joking aside, it, it was fine. It was okay. Um, get the bus to the hotel. We stayed at a lovely hotel called the W, uh, in a town called Hoboken, just over the river. Good old Hoboken, fabulous place. Really like it actually. New Jersey is, at least the part that we were in was was quite nice. Yeah, and I, you know, it gets a bad rap. Yeah, it does get a bad rap. Yeah, yes. at least from what I had heard. But that's my fourth or fifth time now to Hoboken, and every time I've gone back. It just seems like there's more to do. It gets better. Right. Um, you it's know, the Brooklyn of New Jersey, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's it, there's a real almost like a bohemian vibe to it, actually. Sure. And it was really cool. Yeah. I, I really liked it. Yes, my uh, my roommate from college was from Cherry Hill, New Jersey, which is near Philly, and uh, he was talking about an experience he had when he was in high school. He went abroad to France, I believe. He was in mm-hmm. Paris. Uh, for some amount of time. I don't think it was a semester abroad, but, you know, it was like a spring break trip sure. or something. And he was in Paris, and, and you know, he was with a host family. And uh, when he first got there, you know, they're saying, oh, you know, they're introducing themselves, and they're using their English, and he's trying to use his French. But they're like, you know, where are you from? And he said, you know, Cherry Hill, New Jersey. And they were like, ah, what exit? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so New Jersey people get a bad rap, yes. uh, and New Jersey gets a bad rap. But it's actually a lovely state. Uh, overall, I lived in Princeton for about a year when, oh, I, was, really? when I was a little kid. So okay. uh, I, they have a good ice cream shop is what I remember, but I was five. So, of course, that's that's Someone, what I would remember. I think one of our one of our Uber drivers pointed pointed that out somewhere. 
Um, I can't remember. Look, I, I, I think... Um, it's all a blur. Yeah, it's all a blur. I, honestly, we, I think we were there for like 36 hours or something. Yeah. So, you, you know, it's funny when people say to us, oh, you know, have a nice time traveling, you do all this and whatnot. We don't. We don't have any time, really, you know. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's in and out. It really is. The only time when we do get a little bit of time is, and I believe this is, I believe this is something to do with the league now, where when you're over two time zones away, you have the option to travel. Um, say the game's on the Saturday, you have the option to travel on the Thursday. Mm-hmm. So we tend to do that. Right. Um, so it's mainly when we're on the West Coast, away at the Sounders or sure. Galaxy, San Jose, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we, we actually then have maybe like a Thursday evening where we can go and explore, have a, a nice meal or whatever and, right. and socialize, which is great. Um, but usually, <laughs> it, it's not as um, we, you know, we, we don't usually have as much time as that. So yeah. this, this was a quick one. Um, we got in on Friday evening at about eight o'clock in the evening, nine o'clock in the evening, and we were out by six a.m. on uh, on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So it, it was a quick one. Yeah. So what is that's sort of what I wanted to know about. So like, what's the typical? I'm going to go on the road with the team to to Portland. Oh, you are. That's right. Yeah, so that'll yeah. be fun. But uh, so and so we'll get that extra day because we're traveling yes. on Thursday for that. But. Um, but you know what's the what's the schedule like? You said you get in Friday, you get in Friday night, and then you have the match on Saturday. But like you know what's what's the dated what's that experience of that thirty six hours like for you? Someone asked me this. I did a, a periscope on uh, Saturday morning, and, and someone asked me this. And, and you don't really have a schedule. It's you know there is no nine to five, particularly in in broadcasting in general anyway. But um, when you're traveling, there's no such thing really. And um, for me, I, I tend to. Um, try and have a little routine where on, on a Saturday I'll, um, you know, we usually have a, a production meeting at sort of 10, 10, 30 in the morning, have breakfast at the hotel with myself, Kendra, Jamie and, and our producer Morgan, go through a few things that, uh, that the show um, needs to be uh, needs to be talked over and, and that kind of thing. Um, and then I'll, I'll, I'll usually go and, and see if I can you know, hang out for a little bit, go and get a, a, a coffee somewhere and go over my notes again and, and just, just see if there's any little things that I've missed out on. Um, the thing I've started doing as well now is, is rather shockingly going to the gym. Whoa. Um, <laughs> fit, fit cow. Well, I just, um, it, it actually helps a lot. The You know, you read all these things about endorphins and all that kind of nonsense and, and it, it actually does, it, it helps. It certainly makes me feel better. I feel better about myself. Sure. Um, uh, and then you know I like to have about two hours to get ready. I know that sounds excessive, mm-hmm. but I like to take my time getting ready. You know, watch an MLS game that's on at the time as well. Um, do you warm up with like? Do you do you call the game you're watching? Like, no, 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 in your <laughs> your room. Just no, 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 not at all. That would that would frustrate the roommates, I'm sure. Um, so uh, yeah, but do things like you know iron my shirt and and make sure do just little things that you know. Television people do that makes sure the hair looks all right. And right. I try my best. Yeah. Uh, I need all the help I can get. So. Um, are, are you good at ironing shirts? I am. I am bog awful. Yeah, I'm I, awful. I, yeah, I'm terrible. People will notice that I've worn sweaters on the broadcast recently. That's. <laughs> you just have to <laughs> iron that top area, right? Yeah. <laughs> this is I like I thought you know my wife is obviously you know concerned that I look good when we go someplace and so she wants me to iron something and I'm like okay I'm going to iron my pants and then literally I'm going to sit in the car and it's over. Mm-hmm. Like they're going to be wrinkled again. So, um, but I understand the effort. I've learned to, you know, 
give that effort at least. But I haven't, you know, honestly, it's like an ironing board. And when you pull it out, I'm like, where do I put it? I like iron, <laughs> like you iron the front of the pants and then you flip it over and there's like, you've ironed a crease into the back of the pants. And yeah. I'm like, well, I mean, I must admit, mate, I don't ever bother ironing trousers or anything. There's just no point. You know? it's, yeah. it's purely shirts for me. And you know. You're waist up, right? So, well, but It's funny you say that, though, actually, because this week there was a little bit of a glimpse of um, legs, if you, if you will say. <laughs> and um, you were just wearing British flag boxers. Yeah, someone, so. our press officer, Eric Durkey, suggested that sometimes I should just do the broadcast without any pants on. And um, I said, yeah, you know, I'll pr- probably get away with that, actually. You know, I'll yeah. be... Heck of a lot more comfortable. That'll be lovely. Um, Would it be more comfortable? I feel like it'd be more uncomfortable. Yeah, I can. (laughs) Just walk into the booth. All right, how are we doing? (laughs) I mean, you know, this is what is it? Is it Seinfeld where the secret to the keeping the 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 pants nice is to hang them up and then put them on so he's sitting in the dressing room, correct, in his boxers. So, so that can be you, except you'll just not actually put the pants on. I, I mean. I, I would be fine with this, no problem at all. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> this week, for some unknown reason, I don't know if it was the the angle of the where we had the camera situated or the, the way the broadcast booth is set up at Red Bull Arena, uh, there was a, a shot of, of legs for a, for a while. So I, I would have been caught this week. So you don't sure. wanna, you're not going to risk it? I'm not going to risk okay, it. Okay, so, uh, so in your – two things for traveling. What's uh, uh, Let's start with the hotel. Mm. What's, the, what's the best hotel setup you've had on the road? For a game. The W this weekend is not bad at all. It's a lovely place. <clears throat> um, the one which I think you will find everybody across the league will, will agree with and say nothing but good things is, is one that you will get to experience in Portland. This is what I've heard. The Nines. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's it's fabulous. We, we, we are slightly spoiled when we, when we travel on the road. You know, we complain about all the long hours and everything, but... What we do is is we work within luxurious confines uh, in terms of working at the hotels because, uh, you know, the league have got agreements with, with certain hotels, whether it's, I think it's the Marriott that they've mainly got an agreement with, but, you know, lovely hotels, as I mentioned, like the W and the Nines and everything. We aren't um, we aren't starved for luxury. Sure. Uh, when we uh, when we travel on the roads uh, and we, we go to these hotels. So... Um, I would say you're going to be a very, very lucky boy. I'm excited. And you are going to experience the Nines. <laughs> uh, and I can guarantee you, uh, if players are listening to this podcast, if other broadcasters, whoever, and I, I mentioned the Nines, they will all be very, very jealous they're of all, They're all nodding. They're like, yes, we've been there. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Um, and, okay, any, any good tips for the Nines specifically? Anything I don't want to miss out on? Um, you have to, and, and this is almost... Slightly against the rules, actually, because I'm, okay. a, I'm a big believer of of going out into a city when you have an evening or whatever, you know. And, and, Absolutely. And just to say you've been somewhere, you know. For, for example, uh, you know, last year in Toronto, we were like, right, well, we don't know when we're going to be in Toronto next. It, it might not be for another two years or, you know, things might happen and might not might not come back. So sure. let's go and experience Toronto. Let's go and have a, a nice meal. Let's let's go and socialize with, with work colleagues that travel on the road and... Um, let's all have a good time to a certain extent. Um, I So the reason I bring this up is because I'm not a believer of, of staying in a hotel and, and eating in a hotel. Right. However, the Nines may very well have the best steak I have ever had. Wow. It, it is mouth-watering. I do like a good steak. So. It's staggering, honestly. Okay. Uh, so uh, when we go... Maybe it's the Thursday evening we do this. Okay. 
uh, we we go down to the, the stake, the what whatever the area is. It's it's a strange one, the lobby, because it's it's almost like a mini restaurant as well, and it's okay. not actually on the ground floor. It's it's quite a weird setup. But anyway, okay. Um, the uh, the suggestion I have for you is is that we go and have a steak. Okay, for sure. Maybe we do a podcast over a steak at some. A steak stage. podcast. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> a steak cast, if you will. Um, and in terms of venues. Arenas, mm. uh, stadiums. Uh, what's been your favorite to to be in? What's given you the best feeling of of getting to call call the game? <sighs> wow! I know the Portland. I know Portland is up there. Yeah, Portland's up there for sure. My word! How long have we got? Um, <laughs> <laughs> we we. I tell you what, Steve. We are very lucky now. Um, we have an array of absolutely exceptional venues around this league. I'm very fortunate to have commentated on a lot of games across Europe and in England and whatnot, I would put the majority of MLS stadiums up against uh, a lot of these these venues across Europe now. Wow. Um, obviously, you know, excluding the, the big venues like Old Trafford and the Emirates Stadium and whatnot, you know, that they are a cut above, unless you maybe go to Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, because that's staggering. Sure. Portland's up there, because Portland, I think, I think Portland is the closest from an atmospheric point of view, to a European soccer game. Mm -hmm. Because the fans are in unison, they're all on the one side. Um, the game day atmosphere away from the stadium as well, everyone's in the pub before, sure. and it's just timbers everywhere in Portland. Mm -hmm. I understand the Trailblazers are there as well, but but I think the timbers, in fact, and I would even back, I would back myself 100% saying this, I think the timbers are bigger in Portland than the Trailblazers are, because yeah, you know, you see one or two Trailblazers things, but everything is timbers everywhere. Yeah. And I think Portland is a model of what a lot of teams need to do and, and, and where they need to be at mm -hmm. and where American soccer can be. It's, it's, a fabulous, um, it's a fabulous view into the future, mm -hmm. is Portland, because I think this is going to happen anyway in Major League Soccer. You, you are going to see soccer become a humongous presence in this country. It already is, yeah. but I think it's only going to get bigger. So when you go to Portland, it is a, a, a tiny glimpse into what Major League Soccer can and could be. Mm -hmm. So for, for that reason, Portland's always my favorite away trip. Um, the, the stadium is, is awesome as well, and, and obviously we're going to be fortunate because when we go there, it's their home opener because right. they're going to have the extension on the stadium. Now, I can't remember how many thousands more are going to be there, yeah, it was 5,000, something Something like along those lines. It'll, something along those lines. It'll be something like 25, 26,000. Yeah. Either way, it's going to be fantastic. The, the atmosphere is there. And I, I really admire the Timbers Army and what they've done and what they do on a regular basis. And I've said this before, and I'm not just saying this because we are where we are. I think our fans, I think the Wonderwall are the closest thing to the Timbers fans at the moment because... Mm -hmm. You know, you can have a supporters culture, you can have a fan base, but I mentioned that word culture, which is a word we all hear very often within the, the Minnesota United Walls, and, and it's a big word for many reasons, because you do need it. And I think the fan culture in the Twin Cities is as close to anything we've seen for uh, in terms of what Portland do. There are other examples that are good, like Toronto and uh, Kansas City got a tremendous amount of respect for those fans and what they have done there and what they continue to do. The Sounders as well. I think um, that, that there's a load of them that, that that have really put themselves within the upper echelons of, of supporter sections in this league. Mm -hmm. But for me, I think Minnesota United fans 
are, are gaining traction and getting closer and closer every year to what the Timbers Army are doing. And the way that the only real way we're going to see that, and the only real evidence that we're going to see of this, is on a match day in our own stadium. Yeah. Now they are wonderful at TCF Bank Stadium, but because it's so big, the atmosphere and because it's open as well, the atmosphere tends to to go out. Mm-hmm. At Allianz Field, it'll be within smaller confines. Again, surrounded by luxury, ironically. Right. Um, but I think the atmosphere will stay within the stadium. And this this wonderful thing that I love that our fans do with the scarves up and twirling the, the scarves and everything um, when the corner balls come uh, for Minnesota United. It looks great from my vantage point on a, on a uh, match day and, and when I'm in the commentary booth. But imagine that for a full stadium. Yeah, that's going to be something else. So yeah, so I think and closer. You know, like the angle is going exactly, to be better. Exactly, everything's going to be closer. Yeah. So so not to go off on a tangent here, but I I firmly believe that our fans are going to be. Uh, they already are fabulous, but I I think our supporters are going to be up there alongside Portland once we move into Allianz Fields. I absolutely have no doubts about it, but Portland is certainly a favorite trip of yeah. mine for those reasons. Well, tangents is what we're all about, so it's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. We don't need to stay on I'm task. I'm taking but... up half the podcast, so I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> no, I bet I think you're right. I think that, and I think that after seeing, after the back-to-back wins recently, when you felt sort of, you know, obviously we'll talk a little bit about the loss to Red Bulls, but you, you sort of felt a sense of, you know, that there's there's so much under the surface right now mm-hmm. with, with Minnesota United, just in the Twin Cities. Yes, and absolutely. That, and that, you know, when you get on the right path, you know, when, when the team's doing well, people are ready. There's there's a ton of supporters who are already embracing the team. Uh, that support is there. And then once you scratch that surface with, you know, some wins, with Allianz Field coming, mm-hmm. like I think it's that it's, people are ready and to get on board and be a, be a part of it. So, um I, you know, I definitely think it's there. I'm not going to continue. I'm not going to keep going on that tangent. Um, I mean, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about 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 the the game from this past weekend at Red Bulls. Um, obviously, the squad was a little. They kept saying on. I, I was watching on MLS Live, so mm-hmm. I got I got the other broadcast, and they kept using the word decimated to refer to uh, the lineup, which is a little tough. We were missing five five starters out of out of eleven positions. So. Yep. Um, but we had some new guys. We had Wyatt uh, Amsberg got out there. Carter Manley was out there. What was, what was your impression of of those guys uh, and how they fit into the team? And, and and just overall, I know it was sort of a tough loss. But what, what were your impressions in terms of them fitting in the team? They were fine. You know that you, you you certainly got the sense that moving forwards, they would be options within the, the season. You know, if if an injury situation or or again because it's going to happen when players are called up to their international teams. It, it, it will happen. Calvo's a big part of the Costa Rican setup. Michael Boxall's the New Zealand captain. So it's going to happen again at some right. stage. So I thought Olmsberg coming in, um, you know, he's a big boy. <laughs> First of all, he's a big boy. Um, and I, I questioned when the Red Bulls were, were playing direct and were lofting it forward and putting it in the air because I thought, you know, Ryan Phillips is decent in the air, but there's no chance he's beating Olmsberg in the air and, and very rarely did. Mm-hmm. Um, Carter Manley w- was good. I, I think for, for both of them, there were a little bit of nerves at the start. Manley gave the ball away far too much, in my opinion, in the, in the opening 30, 40 minutes. Yeah. Um, Olmsberg was w- was caught from time to time uh, with his angles. Um, but ultimately, I, I thought it was a strong showing from them. Um, are they... Ready to come in and play 34 MLS games? I don't think so. Right. 
But that doesn't mean they're bad players. That means that they are options. And they're, you know, for full professional debuts, I, I thought it was fine. I thought it was okay. They, the, they weren't, um, you know, from a standard point of view, that they weren't significant drop-offs, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, so, look, I mean, it was a tough one as well to be playing away at Red Bull Arena for your debut, away to, to Bradley Wright Phillips as well. Yeah. And, uh, and and the the myriad of of attacking talent he has behind him as well to to feed him service. Um, I thought it was a good test for them, and and they both came out um, looking okay. And you know I know the coaching staff were were pleased with them um, in the second half. I think um, there were some words said at halftime, which I won't go into. But I I think um, you know it was a good showing from them, and and I think moving forwards. I think uh, Adrian will, will be fine with putting them in, in a situation again because they've done it now. They've got that experience. They, yeah. It's almost like lifting that weight off of their shoulders. They've done it now. Yeah. So moving forward, I think they'll be okay. No problem. Yeah. Yeah, Adrian in the in the, the post-match talked about how, um, you know, the, the I mean, Red Bulls is a better team than Minnesota United. Right. Like, they're, <laughs> they're just clearly a better team right now. Um, but, you know, Adrian sort of talked about how they also wanted to win more than we did, which sort of I, I thought about that. And I think that that's one of the things. And if you can get, uh, you know, if you can be if you're not as you're not the better team, but you want it more. Sometimes you can you can eke out a win. Mm. Um, and I saw somebody commenting. I can't remember where I was looking at it, uh, but somebody saying how, you know, if you look back at the the Red Bulls game from last year that was here, you know, we, we lost 3-0 with basically a full squad yep. um, at home. And then, you know, to lose 3-0 with sort of a piecemeal squad just shows the depth is even a, a little better. And I thought the goals were, I mean, you got to take your hat off to Bradley Wright Phillips. Like, oh, both, the, the both third of his finishes goal, were incredible. It, the, so. the finish is absolutely wonderful. I think the the first two goals that Red Bulls scored, I think, were avoidable. Yeah. I, I think it wasn't uh, the best showing of of uh, defensive display from from the back line. But look, I mean, <laughs> this is what happens when when you've got a, a, an attacking line of of, of that uh, quality. Um, they are going to test you. They are going to push you and press you. And, and with the way they play, they, they certainly did. But I think defensively, the first two goals, it, it, it wasn't particularly great. Um, but the, the third goal for the Red Bulls, you, you can't take anything away. It's an absolutely exquisite pass yeah. from Wheel. And Wright Phillips, I mean, this is you can tell they've been playing together for a long time because he knew where Wright Phillips was going to be. He'd started his run even before Muriel even got to the ball. So they, they all knew straight away what was going to happen. Yeah. And to curve it around, why? I mean, obviously, it's, you know, it's, I don't give Wyatt too much blame for being just behind that because that ball curved just past his foot. Yeah. You know? and, I mean, this, and this is what I was saying about angles earlier on, Steve. I think Wyatt got caught out from, from the angle point of view there. But. Right. The run from Wright Phillips was wonderful. It was the perfect run. The the timing of the pass and the delivery of it was exceptional. And the finish was something to behold as well. I mean, yeah. he, I think I remember saying in the commentary, he, he doesn't miss. Yeah. And he won't miss those kind of opportunities. And um, a player like that in this league knows how to score goals. He's done it for four or five years now, and he's got double digits in every single one of them. I think the the least successful season he's had was last year when he got 17. Yes, he's so, kind, of a, kind of a slacker. Exactly. So, look, I mean, it's, <laughs> he's clearly a, a guy who knows how to score goals, uh, and I think he pestered superbly. I thought he was wonderful. Yeah. that I mean, that finish, that, that third goal, that was, I, I believe it was his first touch, 
right? Like at a basically a full run, Mm -hmm. like just tucked into the corner. You know, it, like. the, the, the technique is wonderful because, as he said, it's it's come across as well. The ball's got plenty of spin on it as well, and he he lets it come across slightly. Let's it, lets it come across his body slightly, because it, if if he, if he hits it straight away, it's going to go straight into Olmsberg. He has to let it come across him slightly, and then to hit it with the outside of the right boots to the right of, of Lampson, who was already slightly committed to the left as well. It's an absolutely wonderful finish. Um, mm. I, I, you know, I, I can't say enough about Bradley Wright Phillips. I can't praise him enough. I, I think he's been an absolute blessing to this league. Yeah, it was fun to watch Red Bulls too. I mean, the 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 their commentary team was talking a lot about how, you know, the the style that they play, this high press style, mm-hmm. um, is going to give up counterattacks. But then they have to rely on that, you know, on on the stiffness of the back to be able to like fend that off when it happens. But it's it's very exciting you know, form, like, yeah. it's, a, it's an exciting brand of soccer to watch because it does create opportunities the other way, and it does, I can see how it's a high-risk reward, mm. you know, style, but it is a lot of fun to watch because you saw things go both ways, you know, like, yep. you know, teams, each team had opportunities, you know, our final ball wasn't great, obviously, but, yep. uh, but it, it was, it was a, it was a fun match to watch. I, I, I thought so as well, and obviously the result didn't go the way that Minnesota United wanted it to, but yeah, I mean, from, from your point of view as a viewer, I, I would assume it was entertaining because from my point of view as a commentator, I'd, it was. It was very, very entertaining yeah. and, and easy to commentate on. And, um, you know, I just... The, the one thing I'll say as well is is about the Red Bulls and what they're doing with, with the USL affiliate as well and, mm-hmm. and the way that they are developing young players coming through. I counted in that um, the, the, the whole uh, roster, not the match they roster, the entirety of their roster uh, during the week, during prep, uh, eight of the of the homegrown players that they've got in are all from that New Jersey, New York area. Mm-hmm. So they understand it, they get it, they know what it means to play for Red Bull. They know what it means to put that jersey on. And you know, I, I can't wait until we start doing that as well. That's yeah. going to be interesting because there's a an abundance of kids playing the sports uh, in Minnesota. And I can't wait until we start producing talent like that over the next few years. Yeah, it's going to be interesting with the academy. I think it's it's one of the obviously one of the things that the the team Minnesota United is going to put an emphasis on that. But you got to be patient. You know, you're talking you about do. we're covering we're also covering a huge geographical area mm-hmm. because we're you know we're bringing in not just from all of Minnesota, but I believe we're we're stretching out to the Dakotas and Wisconsin. Yes, and yes, exactly. Things like that. So that's that's a large geographical area to draw from. You know, in the first year, first two years of a team. So, and there's bucket loads of talents out there as well. There yeah. really is. There's there's so many kids playing the game now, and you know, I, I know we've got scouts looking around those sort of areas and, and whatnot, and various different affiliates working with us. So, I don't think it's it's going to be too long before we see homegrown players yeah. in this Minnesota yeah. United team. Well, and some of the stories are fantastic. Like we had a, a profile that um, Casey Kobakov did of Solomon Straub, who's one of the mm. players for the academy, and um, yep. you know, he he. We came from Africa. He was in an orphanage there. It was ad- adopted. Came to the Midwest, and you know is now. He, he he talked about being three years old and asking some older boys to play soccer, and they wouldn't play with him. So he had to play, you know, on his own over there in Africa. And it's just you know some of those stories are really amazing. Yeah. Um, Fred Emmings, who Casey also did a great profile of him. He got a call from the 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 U fifteen national sure, team mm-hmm. and uh, and trained with them. So you know it's uh it's great. It's 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 fun to watch. Uh, it's fun to watch them sort of growing up and hear those stories. And I'm looking forward to seeing you know the first one who gets onto the first team is going to be fun. So, all right, we're switching gears again. Um, we've talked before a little bit about music. Um, hmm. I understand uh, you're a bit of a musician yourself. Tell me a little bit about about your musical history. 
Well, I wasn't a musician because I was never um, never skilled enough to do that. I was. This is, my word, this is embarrassing. Good. Uh, <laughs> I was. Embarrassing um, cells. Believe it or not, <laughs> um, I, I was the lead singer in a band um, for about two, two and a half years. A bunch of mates and I at school, we decided to to put a band together. Um, sort of a commitment. I feel like a commitments thing coming up. Yeah, we, <laughs> <laughs> we uh, you know, but we only really mainly did covers. But we towards the end, we sort of started writing our own stuff, and that's probably why we finished. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was it was good. We we played a few pubs around um, around Birmingham and sort of did one or two of the smaller festivals and everything. And festivals? Well, festivals. They, they were, when I say festivals, it, in inverted I mean, yeah, commas, yeah. Sure, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, in the back of a parking lot in a pub, really. That's, uh, <laughs> that, 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 that surprises a festival, right? I oh, mean, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, no, it was good fun. I, re- I really enjoyed it. And it, it, it's funny because I, I, I threatened to go back to it every time I... You know, I, I, I'm, I'm a shower singer, no doubt about it. All right, yeah. Um, it sounds good in there. The acoustics are fantastic. So. <laughs> but um, I, I do, and I've spoken to the missus about it, you know, I, I would love to get back into it. I really would. Yeah. But it's just, with, with what we do, we, we just don't have the time. I wouldn't be able to commit to it. And It's tough. You know, yeah. And then I, it was funny when I was last back in England, I, I spoke to one or two of my mates, and, and again, we toyed with the idea again, but... Again, just wouldn't be able to commit. Always away the weekend, always working, covering games and everything. And then it takes a lot of time in the week as well to rehearse and whatnot. Yeah. Um, so I, I would love to get into it again. I really would. But um, right now, I'll just have to settle for karaoke. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> karaoke is great. Uh, I, I'm also a musician. I'm a guitarist. And I still play a, a certain amount. Um, but it is very difficult to organize anything. Um, I've I've toyed with the idea also of trying to, you know, put together a project where I would actually play out. But it's a lot easier to play with other people who are doing their own projects. Right. And then just sort of glom onto that because mm-hmm. then you get the satisfaction of getting to play out. You know, I'm working with my friend Matt Lateral on he's got a record he's working on. So the last couple of weeks we've gotten together and I've recorded some tracks with him, which is really fun. It's fun to work on on recording. Um, yeah. It's not the most lucrative thing especially in this day and age but if you do it for cheap it's you know you get to do a a project and it's very satisfying i had a moment this past weekend where uh, I was driving someplace and my, my wife was at home with the kids and she was listening to some Disney soundtrack. So on the Spotify, the family Spotify, so <laughs> I, I couldn't use it. So I went and li- back and listened to my, my old band that I was in growing up um, for about 10 years from high school through college and then after college. Uh, we got together t- a year and a half ago and made an album of, of, of tracks that we hadn't ever recorded over the last couple years of the band. And uh, they all, you know, two of the other guys, my brother's in the band, um, two of the other guys came out from the East Coast. We made this album and, you know, we put it out. I, I made cover art and wow. we didn't press, press any physical copies, but, you know, it's on Spotify and stuff like that. Really? Yeah. So what, what, what is it then? Like, what's it called and everything so people can oh, download I, it? <laughs> uh, the band's called Catfish Blue. Uh, this The album is called Sky Grows Light. Uh, but you can find it on Spotify. It's all, We have a band camp that's, I think, catfishblue.bandcamp.com. But, I mean, you know, I put it out with the expectation that, you know, 100 hundred people would listen to it. And that's what I think happened. Cause you know, we had like some fan base on the East coast, sure, but, sure. but now it's just satisfying selfishly for me that I can get in the car and I can put this on <laughs> and just listen to it rather than having to like find the old iPod that had like the crappy demos right. and like scroll back through it and stuff like that. Um, it, you know, it's, it's good to find things that can give you that sort of satisfaction, you know, in, in a hobby way. Absolutely. Yeah. I actually 
found an old video on you know you know the on this day thing on Facebook when yeah, it tells yeah, you yeah. what you were doing several years ago. Um, it was uh, ten years ago that I we were playing in a inverted commas festival, and someone took a video, uh, and so it, it came up maybe two three weeks ago. And I watched the video, and first of all, you know, obviously cringing throughout the entirety of the video. Sure. Um, I, that, that's when I sort of thought again to myself, I was like, God, I miss that. I really miss being on stage and, and, and doing that kind of stuff. You know, it was, it was really good fun. Um, you know, you never know, one day maybe I'll go back to it again, but, yeah. um, you know, maybe if the soccer thing doesn't work out. It's good in the <laughs> Twin Cities. I'll be, I'll be honest. I mean, it's a great town for, for, for music. music. It is, yeah. Uh, and it's really easy to get out and play. There's a lot of venues. Uh, I love so. live music as well. Yeah. There's nothing better than live music, in my opinion. When, when, you're, yeah. when you're out with a couple of friends and whatnot, I, I love live music. I think it's fantastic. It, I mean, it's you can have some of the peak experiences, I think, that way. It's just it, it can be such a fantastic environment. So mm -hmm. have you been to any good uh, concerts recently or any coming up that you've got you're looking um, forward to? No, I haven't. For a for a long time, I haven't. I, I was supposed to go and see Liam Gallagher when he came to the mm, Twin Cities mm -hmm. at the end of last year, but I didn't get a chance because I had to go back to England. Um, I haven't been to a gig for a long time, far too long. Yeah. The, the last time I really saw any live music I was uh, when I was last back in Dublin um, because, you know, every pub you go into, there's, right. there's live music. And yeah. For me, I, I love that because that's sort of when you, when you get... Um, uh, the best of both worlds as well because you can have uh, you know a, a, a big rock and roll band or whatever playing in, in some big venue in Dublin but then you can also have the smaller quainter uh, little pubs that oh, have yeah. just one guy and a guitar yep. you know and and the, the one guy and the guitar can be better than the big rock and roll band you know I sure. mean it's it's fantastic I, if anybody hasn't been I would highly suggest Dublin for, for live music and everything because yeah. it's it's quite the city anyway I spent a lot, a lot of time there um, growing up and whatnot and um, it, it's great for live music. As I said, I'm, I'm a big advocate for live music. Yeah. I, I really enjoy it. Yeah, I got to get over to Dublin. I haven't. I, I've been to England and I've been to France a couple times, and you know, Germany and Italy. I have, I have not gotten to Ireland. So, um, and with the last name like would first, I really it. need to. Yeah, so. and, and a proper pint of Guinness as well. You, you, you would enjoy it, my friend. Yes. Um, I'm going to – I've actually been trying to get out a little more recently. I went to – I've been to the Palace Theater a couple times in St. Paul, which is a fantastic venue. Uh, they remodeled it and uh, kind of left it a little gritty, which is which is nice. There's some some theaters in, in uh, Minneapolis, the Orpheum and um, Pantages, that are, are sort of old school, gilded, you know, curtains, all that stuff. Mm. Uh, the – the palace, they sort of did a kind of, I don't know, I guess you call it shabby chic remake. You know, they sort of modernized it, but then rather than layering over new stucco and stuff, they just kind of left it half done, which gives sure. it a kind of broken down feeling that's nice. But I saw I saw At the Drive in there and I saw Queens of the Stone Age. Oh, wow. I saw Grizzly Bear there in the last year, which was also fantastic. So, and then coming up, I'm going to see Lizzo, who's amazing and from the Twin Cities, uh, with Haim there. And then, very excited, going to see Beyonce and Jay-Z at wow. U.S. Bank. So, uh, I mean, we have seats that are way in the back. But, it doesn't matter. You know, That's no, awesome. No, I just, I mean, I figure now the size of the screens that they put up for, you know, concerts. Sure. It's, you know, like. I'm exceedingly jealous there. That's, <laughs> wow, that's going to be quite the gig. I was on my computer, like, waiting for the tickets to become available. So, I had to, I had to be on it. So. Wow. Um, that's fantastic. I, I must admit, yeah, I, I haven't been to a. A live gig in a long time. I need to. Um, I need to go. I, I'm, do you know what I'm doing? I'm waiting, uh, in hope more than expectation, mm -hmm. 
for Oasis to get back together. Yeah. That's the you one for me. You might be waiting a long time. I know, I but... know, I know. That, that's the one for me. But <laughs> I, I was listening to some of Noel Gallagher's stuff uh, last night, actually, and high-flying high birds, and, and, and yeah. they're wonderful. They're really, really good. And I saw them live in Kansas City a couple of years ago. That's probably the last one I went to, the last gig. Um, it just... And this is why I, I love the, the culture that we have at this club as well. With It's quite strange. I was chatting to somebody about this, that there is a, a slight British culture to this football club at the sure. moment. And I think a lot of it has to do with, with the Wonderwall situation. Every time I hear them sing Wonderwall, every time I hear the sports singing Wonderwall, shivers down the spine. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's amazing. I've never seen anything like it in world football. It's It's absolutely wonderful. And... I'm sure there are examples out there. I've just not seen them. Um, but, you know, being um, such a, a, a humongous fan of Oasis and they really played a part in shaping what, what England was, um, you know, sort of in the the early to mid-2000s. Yeah. Um, to, to see our supporters singing Wonderwall, it, it means a lot and it's it's absolutely wonderful. Yeah. I, I love it. So anyway, I... I that's what I'm waiting for, is, is Oasis, Oasis to get back together. Even if they just do one more gig to, yeah. s- to properly say goodbye, right? I, I would pay a lot of money to go Maybe and see that. Maybe they'll come do it at Allianz Field. And so. this is what I'm that, hoping happens, yeah. 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 <laughs> no, Wonderwall, Wonderwall is definitely one of those songs that, you know, I mean, it's great when the supporters sing it. It's, it's, amazing an experience. it's an amazing experience. Even when I hear it just played randomly, if I hear it someplace, it always says my initial reaction is, oh, Wonderwall. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've heard this a million times. And then by, like, the time the vocals come in, I'm like, I love this song. <laughs> <laughs> no matter, it's one of those ones, no matter how many times I hear it, I'm, I still like hearing it. So, yeah. Um, all right, well, thanks for joining us for the fifth Everything Soccer podcast. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. We'll talk about uh, we got matches coming up against Atlanta and then Portland and then Seattle is the match that will be coming up when we get our next one. So uh, this week we're playing Atlanta United at home. Uh, please note... That match has been moved from Sunday afternoon to Saturday, March 31st at 7 p.m. So everybody note that. Thanks for that. Yeah, I just thought I'd, re- I'd just mention it again. Uh, be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes if you could. And you can follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC. You can follow Cal on Twitter at CalWilliams.com. And I'm on Twitter at Steve Entris. And remember, there's only one person in this whole world like you. And people can like you exactly as you are.